The scripture this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. This is God's word. Thanks be you to God. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you again. We're continuing in our uh, sermon series on I Believe in God, But. So uh, join with me in prayer as we consider God's word in this truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for being a God who has saved us. We thank you for being a God who uh, gives us songs to sing as we have sung this morning, and uh, that you are a God uh, in yourself and the story that you have written uh, to us is something worth singing about. So thank you for that, and as we consider uh, our role in having a part in that, praising you and uh, proclaiming you to the world around us, we ask that you would uh, guide us and direct us, uh, teach us from your word, and not only that, but change us and mold us, enable us to be more and more like you, Lord Jesus, to be uh, further sanctified, transformed, to be more like you, to be more the people you've created us to be. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so as I said, we are uh, continuing our sermon series called uh, I Believe in God, But. You know, it was just two weeks ago at Journey to the Cross that part of the fellowship hall was set up to uh, recall the courtyard where Peter denied knowing Jesus. And a black wall was set up there, and as you came through that little aisleway, uh, you were invited to write on that wall uh, with a marker ways that we deny him still today. And that's what you wrote. A lot of things up there. And it's a profound wall to see the things that uh, we realize that are ways in our lives still today that we deny Christ. Um, It's still there in the fellowship hall, by the way. If you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to go back there and check it out. Uh, It's just a profound, uh, moving thing to see how we realize that we fall short, and yet Jesus still loves us, and we know that. it was interesting. Uh, we owned up to a number thi- of things there. Uh, worry is a way that we deny him, uh, someone felt. Uh, the idols that we have in our life, trying to live in our own strength being another way. But perhaps the uh, most common one has to do with today's topic. It was, uh, this is what one person wrote, and many wrote similar things, not boldly sharing Jesus with others. And that being a way that we deny him. Uh, For our title today, our topic today as we uh, go into this series is, I Believe in God But, and it's uh, taken from Titus chapter 1 verse 16, which says, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. And when we don't tell people about Jesus, we literally are denying him, quite literally. Um, So our our topic, as I said, is uh, uh, we've had several things, I believe in God, but doubt his love. Rick covered last week. This week, it's the next one, don't share my faith. I think we could almost uh, say, too, I believe in God, but keep it secret. Wow. I believe in God, but keep it secret. 
So uh, as many noted on that wall that I mentioned, uh, we're, we're good at keeping uh, at least one secret, keeping Jesus a secret, that we have him in our lives and all that. If we believe in God, why is it that we so often don't tell anyone and keep it to ourselves? I'm sure there's any number of reasons, but three that stand out at least to me, I think, uh, is that we might really be like Jonah and simply don't care about the lost. If you read the start of the book of Jonah, it says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And so what did Jonah do? Of course, he, well, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And so we know the story about Jonah and all that and the whale, etc. But you get to the end of the book and we find out why he ran away why he ran off and ran from the Lord and ran away from the Ninevites because he said he just knew that God would forgive that if he went and preached to those people and they heard the gospel and they repented and and came to God in faith that God would forgive them which they did repent that is and God did forgive them and Jonah was mad because he wanted God to punish them he had no love for the lost. Could it be that we really are like Jonah? Now, we wouldn't, I'm quite sure that none of us here would want to admit that we have no love for the lost, but maybe there are certain segments of the lost that we really don't have too much spiritual concern for. What do you think of homosexuals? What do you think of those who judge homosexuals? What about the person that lies about you at school or the person that undercuts you at work? How much do we care about their spiritual welfare. So maybe we're like Jonah, but maybe we're like Joseph of Arimathea. It's interesting how the scripture describes him. He was described as a disciple of Jesus. In other words, he really was a follower of Christ, but secretly. He was good at keeping a secret, you see. He uh, was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. He feared what would come of him if it got out that this was true. He was, and, and we are the same way, right? All too often we are afraid to tell people about Jesus or to let it be known that we're a Christian because we might be made fun of. They might think that we're stupid or backward. They might say that, well, you're just part of a religion of hate. That's a popular one today. We might be simply afraid that we'll lose a promotion or fall out of favor with the inner circle that we're part of. So perhaps we're like Jonah, perhaps we're like Joseph of Arimathea, perhaps we're like Craig Greshel. Uh, Craig Greshel has written a book that we're getting a lot of our topics uh, based on uh, called The Christian Atheist. He tells a story in uh, this chapter uh, about this of uh, being on a commuter train with some of his uh, Christian friends. So he's on this commuter train and they're just talking and everything and I guess it became obvious that uh, uh, they were Christians and so there was a guy sitting beside them and he turns to them and says this, can you tell me what it means to be a Christian and how I can become one? Now, you would think that's the softball of all softballs, right? Wow, I can handle that. Any one of us, uh, sign me up for that one. Give me somebody like that, right? And Craig Greshel, now he's a pastor and an author and all of that, so it should be easy for him, right? Well, he describes it, and I appreciate his honesty, that he didn't know where to begin, and he started fumbling around. He didn't want to give a canned presentation, he says. And so he starts just trying to, he said, well, I've got to start saying something. So he starts talking, and before long he realizes he ain't making sense. <laughs> just the look on this guy's face, it's, it ain't happening. So he says, what am I going to do? So he starts to tell his own story of how he became a Christian. 
But that wasn't working either, as uh, Craig put it. He says, I stuttered and stammered awkwardly. It just wasn't happening. They come finally to the guy's stop. So he gets up, and he's heading for the exit of the train to get off there. He turns to them and says, oh, well, thanks for trying. Oh, exactly. (laughs) Can you imagine how bad he must have felt about that? And and I think we can relate, right? Uh, we often don't say anything because we're not sure what we would say, and we don't want to fumble and make it worse maybe, right? So we maybe just don't say anything. I'm quite convinced that none of us want to be Jonah or Joseph or Craig <laughs> in this situation. Uh, we would like it for it to be different. And so how can we make it different? How can we make it such that instead of I believe in God but keep it a secret, I believe in God, so I tell people about him. Well, I've got just a few ideas, and so let's uh, take a look at that. The first one is, uh, I would invite you to make a top 10 list with me right here this morning, okay? So let's make a top 10 list, and it's going to be a top 10 list of your top 10 favorite days of all time, okay? So start thinking about that. What are some of the things that would be considered your top 10? Uh, Graduation day, uh, the day you uh, got engaged, uh, any number of things like that, got the job you'd finally been wanting. Uh, let me share just a few uh, of these with you to, to prime the pump maybe. So, uh, for instance, there was the day I uh, married my girlfriend, you know, and uh, by the way, that's not a wedding picture. Uh, we did not get married on the wing of a T-28 Trojan, but uh, that did come later, uh, or that was later, and, uh, but that was a special day to say the least, of course, top 10. And there's various birthdays, uh, three kids and two grandkids, so of course the grandkids get pictures up here. So uh, Everett and Ella, by the way, notice, without even trying, she makes the little heart sign. It's just, yeah, oh, <laughs> oh, me. <clears throat> So that was a top 10, you know, when they came into my life for sure. And then, get this now, some of you may not even know what this is, but the first day that, uh, of the week that I got to spend at C.S. Lewis's home in Oxford. Yes, indeed, baby, that was a uh, top 10 day for me. In fact, all five of those probably were all in my top 10. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, that was a top 10 for me. Um, when I got to go to that other holy shrine, the Baseball Hall of Fame, there I am at the St. Louis Cardinals uh, uh, locker room uh, representing their team up there, uh, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Cooperstown. And then finally, the day I got to drive that off the lot. <laughs> Whew, that was a great day. So uh, there's just lots of great days that the Lord gives us, right? What would be your top five, uh, top ten? I've given you five of mine. Uh, what would be some of yours? Just think about those for a moment. And then consider this verse, Psalm 84, verse 10 says, better is one day, one day in your courts than, who knows the rest, a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, not just ten, but a thousand. That's uh, uh, pretty amazing. Could that really be? But what the psalmist is saying there is if you took all of your top tens that we just came up with and uh, probably didn't come up with 10, but you know, whatever they would have been, if you took all of them, concentrated them all into one experience and tried to imagine the fun, the wonder, the joy of that experience, it would be equivalent, do the math, to about 10 minutes with Jesus. 10 days, not just any 10 days, your top 10 best days, 10 minutes with Jesus in his kingdom of heaven. Uh, Wow, that's pretty crazy. And obviously the psalmist isn't 
doing math. It's not uh, you know, this uh, literal thing like that. He is simply trying to describe the indescribable, to say how awesome it's going to be when someday in the new heavens and the new earth we are with Jesus forever and with him and with all the rest of his family. That's what it's going to be like. Now, you might be thinking, let's get that off of there. Uh, you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with I believe in God but? Well, John Piper says you cannot commend what you do not cherish. You cannot commend what you do not cherish. It's as we cherish Jesus, when we really do get how awesome he is, and that all those top tens uh, come up to ten minutes with Christ because it's that good being with him. It's going to be that good then, and it's really pretty good even now. It's as we cherish him and understand how good he is and how good the good news is that it will come out without us even trying. It will happen naturally. For instance, even aside from those pictures, a lot of you already knew that I'm kind of into Cardinals baseball, that I'm kind of into stock car racing, and that odd combination when you think about it, and C.S. Lewis, stock car racing, C.S. Lewis, you know, I don't know. Um, It just comes out because I'm into them and therefore I'm talking about those things. Is it as apparent that I love Jesus? I sure hope so. But that's the thing, you see, for you and I both, if we do cherish him, it will come out just like Cardinals baseball does for me. Jesus will also come out. And whatever else you're into, whatever your top ten is, uh, it would come out, Jesus would come out just like you talk about those things as well. And, And so we have some great news because we have such a great God. The interesting thing is, you know, uh, a salesperson who doesn't believe in their product is a lousy salesperson. <laughs> Have you ever experienced that? Uh, I was at a bookstore not too terribly long ago, and they were trying to sell me. I wanted a book, you know. I'm into books. And uh, the person, though, was trying to get me to buy magazine subscriptions. I didn't want those. Mag- I don't even like magazines all that much, and I particularly didn't like those magazines. And But the person was trying to sell them, and it was obvious that uh, she wasn't very motivated about that. And she finally just said, yeah, they're getting us to push this on people all the time. In other words, she didn't believe in it, and it showed. <laughs> and so I certainly did not get any of those magazines. But we can recommend Christ with confidence because we have this great news. Only he gives true meaning and purpose in life. Jesus Christ has paid humanity the highest compliment of all of any worldview because it says that we have been made in God's very image ourselves. And he's uh, uh, telling us, too, that we're never alone. There's nothing else that can say you, if you belong to him, you know that you're never alone, that you're infinitely loved, and that nothing, not even you, can mess that up when God chooses to to love you as we saw last week. So what can help us go from I believe in God but to I believe in God so? Our understanding of how awesome God is in the first place and how good the good news is. On the other hand, what can also help us is to see the situation that the people we're called to talk to, to see the situation they're in. And for that, I'd like to uh, turn to C.S. Lewis again for a quote from him, uh, a sermon called The Weight of Glory. Probably uh, you've heard parts of this quoted before. This is a, a bit of a lengthier quote, and he's talking for most of the sermon about how awesome heaven is going to be. It's an awesome, awesome message. And then he turns and says this. 
it may be possible for us to think too much of our own potential glory hereafter. It is hardly possible for us to think too often or too deeply about that of our neighbor. The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid on our uh, laid daily on our backs, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it, and the backs of the proud will be broken. And I think what he means there about the humility and the pride is uh, his definition particularly of humility is not a low opinion of yourself, but self-forgetfulness. In other words, not thinking about yourself all the time, but thinking of God primarily and others after that. It's only as we're concerned for others that we'll really be able to pull this off, he says. But he goes on. It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. Wow. Now that's a a heavy thing, but that really is true. Everyone is going to spend eternity in one place or another, even either in heaven. And if you could see that person show up in our midst right now, Lewis makes the point, I think probably rightly so, that it would be such a glorious person, they would be shining and all the rest, that we would be tempted to worship them. Or if it's someone who's a citizen, citizen of hell, who has rejected God, who has said to Christ, who has come and loved us to the nth degree, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, said no thanks to that. Said no, religion's just a crutch. Says no, that's just a bunch of fairy tales and wants nothing to do with Jesus. That sort of person will look like a nightmare. Everybody will end up in one or the other. Those are the stakes for every person we know, and they're the highest stakes we can imagine. And it comes down, you know, notice he says there, all day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. In other words, how we just treat people. We're going to get to, you know, saying the gospel in a moment, but just how we treat people. That person at the bookstore who's annoyingly trying to sell you those magazine subscriptions. (laughs) How do you respond? Do you respond with grace and kindness, even though you don't want them and still say no, but, or do you just get grumpy back? Uh, the person who jumped in front of you at the checkout line in the grocery store, this, uh, and it's supposed to be express, you know, 12 items or less, and they've got 24. Uh, how, how do you respond? Do you, you know, give them a flat tire on their shoe as they walk forward? Or That's what we're tempted to do. And what destination are we leading them to that way? The stakes, those are the stakes for every person we know, and they're the highest stakes imaginable. Now, Craig Greshel does tell us another story uh, I'd like to pass on about uh, a church member who called him and asked if he would go to the hospital and visit her father who was in the hospital and probably close to death. Uh, he agreed to do so, and so uh, he went there. She was wanting him, uh, again, to share the gospel, so um, given the situation. So he goes to the hospital, and he admits that hospitals make him nervous. Perhaps you can relate to that. So in the first place, you know, he's already nervous just because he's going to a hospital. And then also, think about this, you know, you're going to share the most personal, high-stake news that there is with someone you've never met before. And not only that, uh, the man wasn't a Christian, obviously, and he didn't like preachers too much, apparently. (laughs) And so uh, what was he going to do? So he went, though, 
And as he got into the room, he said, yeah, he definitely looked to be in bad shape and wasn't sure he was going to be much longer for this world. So given that, he wanted to, you know, just make a connection first, so he starts trying to make some light conversation, and they do. They make a little bit of a bridge. We talk about building bridges, right? And uh, he was able to do that. They started talking about the guy's favorite football team, happened to be the Redskins. Um, He talked about his grandson. He talked about the hot hot weather. Craig thought about, well, maybe I could go from the hot weather to how hot hell. But but he decided not to do that. Wise move there. You know, that would, don't recommend that as a methodology. But he felt like there was no open door, no segue, if you will, to try to share spiritual things. And so he just left. And he thought, well, at least maybe I've built a bridge where I can come back later and go deeper. So actually, he did come back the next day, but as he got to the hotel, to the hospital room again, uh, he saw a crowd in there, and they were mourning because the man had just died a little while earlier. As Greshel himself said, quote, no one saw me, so I quickly turned around and walked back to my car, ashamed that I had missed a chance to impact his eternity. Now, he also tells a story which has a happier ending, and I could uh, quote another story from Craig Greshel. I, again, appreciate his honesty and would love to give you know, the happy story that, uh, where he came through, and he did. Um, but I have a better one because it happened to someone here in our church this week. Pretty amazing. I get this call from Lisa Skinner. Some of you know Lisa. Uh, she called me to mention that her aunt was in hospice, and uh, uh, was there someone in that part of uh, the state that I knew as a pastor who could come and visit? And, uh, you know, uh, I I did find someone, and the guy did go and visit her aunt. But she told me also, in the midst of this, of how she had uh, visited her aunt. And she was there uh, in the hospice room with her aunt, and then with uh, her aunt's daughter, you know, her cousin. And they were sitting there talking to her, and she's, you know, close to the end of her life. And it just suddenly hit Lisa that there we were, and we were just going through a family picture album and showing pictures of dogs and talking about stuff like that. And dogs are special, and I've you know, had a dog and all that in the past. Spanky was great. But she just felt this burden. I need to tell her about Jesus. And so she turned actually to her cousin and said, I feel like I really need to tell your mom about Jesus. Is that okay? <laughs> and uh, she said, well, yeah. And so she did. So Lisa just started talking to her aunt about uh, how awesome Jesus is, how he died on the cross for us, and how if we turn to him, even in times like this, how he loves us, and you can never, uh, uh, you know, lose his love for you, and he's with us in every trial, and we'll see you through, and all the rest, and just talking about the Lord in that way, and she wasn't sure if it it was getting through. Her aunt was kind of coming in and out, but, but she realized when she sort of stopped that she had heard because her aunt just had this big smile on her face that came on her face as she was thinking about all that. And she said, yeah, she has a gap tooth, and it just was really funny looking, but it was great because she saw it, and you know, she, she got what uh, Lisa was talking about. And so sure enough, the next day, to uh, nail it home, uh, Lisa's dad showed up and saw her and said, hey, I understand that uh, Lisa talked to you about Jesus yesterday. Yeah, he, she did. Well, would you like to receive him as your Savior and Lord? And she said, well, yeah, I would. And so he shared the gospel with her, the full-blown thing, and, and she prayed to receive Christ at the end. I mean, how amazing is that, you know? And so at death's door, she had a new birth into the living hope that Christ has for us. And Lisa now knows that she'll see her aunt on the other side. How awesome is that, that the Lord did that and, and gave her this burden, and she stepped through, and, and how the Lord is just looking to bless when we share 
about him instead of keep it secret. So what can we do? How can we let the secret out? What are some practical steps that we can take uh, to, to do this and to do it a little bit uh, effectively? So uh, here's just a, a couple ideas. First off, I would say, if you don't know what to say, find out. It's really not that hard. Uh, it's a very simple thing, uh, the story of Christ. And uh, here's uh, uh, something that you can use if you wanted to, uh, four simple ideas that uh, really get the gospel across, in my opinion, at least. Um, uh, start off with the good news. It's always uh, a good thing, you know, to have a hook that draws people in. And so just tell people that, you know, this world is great and God created it. Uh, it's a wonderful place and he created us in his image. We're not just dirt, we're created in his image, and he put us in charge to run this place on his behalf. And he's given us, as I've said before, great things like coffee and chocolate and all the rest. So this is a pretty great God we're talking about here. The thing is, we've rejected him. We've turned away. As the passage there, Isaiah 53 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have each turned our own way. We've rejected God. We've turned away from him. And the, the mess that the world is is the result that I think we all can see. And then to talk about how Jesus paid the penalty for that. Uh, He died on the cross to pay for our sins, and that can be credited to our account if we, third point, put faith in him, trust in what he did to reconcile us back, to get us back to God, to have forgiveness for our sins, reconciliation, and then a whole new life. That's a simple way to do it. Um, or you can, uh, there was a bunch of, I, don't, I trust there's still some left, uh, put a bunch of tracks, booklets, things like that uh, out at the table just outside the door. Grab one, put it in your pocket. You could give it to somebody, or I'd say just have it yourself, put it in your pocket, your wallet or something, and if the opportunity ever comes, just whip that thing out and just sort of walk through it with someone so you can clearly tell them how they can become a Christian, how they can experience this too. So figure out what to say if you don't know what to say. And then lastly, I'd say work a plan. Be strategic. Be proactive. Uh, The passage we read at the start says always be prepared. So you never know. You might get to talk to that bookstore clerk selling you the magazines. A little more about spiritual things. So always be prepared. But be proactive. Pick someone out. Put the gospel target right on them and start working on them. Not in a mean, rude way. We're not talking about megaphones on a street corner. But just think of someone. Someone you work with, someone in your neighborhood, someone in your family. And start making sure you're living the gospel in front of them. As a lot of people say, the only Bible some folks will ever get to see is you. (laughs) Uh, You know, Christ shining through them, uh, through you. Uh, As Lewis was saying earlier, um, each and every day, Uh, You know, we live out this gospel and are helping people to one destination or the other. Pray for God to work in their hearts and pray for an open door for you to be able to share the gospel. You want someone to become a Christian, but and that would be cool if they did, of course. And how much cooler, I think is a word, um, would it be if you're the one who has the privilege of telling them about Christ and they come to him in faith? And then finally, simply invite them to church. You know, maybe you figure, I am just not good at talking to people about such things. Fine, you know, if you get the opportunity to talk to them, just say, hey, I am not really good at explaining all this stuff, but come to church. I know some people who do, and, and they'll help you out. So, and there's other things, but that's just a few ideas. In closing, I want to leave you with just what I hope will be a couple encouraging thoughts. C.S. Lewis, who I've co- quoted a couple times here, did not think he was very good at this either. 
Now, he was great as a writer and all that, and he was great at apologetics. It is helping people understand why they should believe Christianity really is true, but he felt he was lousy at actually inviting people to come to faith. But uh, during World War II, he kept getting invited. He was fairly well known by then. Uh, kept getting invited to go to the Royal Air Force um, bases to preach to the soldiers and the uh, uh, folks in the Royal Air Force. And he didn't know what to do about it. You know, he, he felt weird. I'm not good at this. And so he wrote a letter to a friend of his and he said this, the invitations were sp- to speak were jobs one dare neither refuse nor perform. And you get that, right? Uh, y- you can't refuse it. Hey, come tell people about Jesus. Oh no, I don't want You can't do You got to say yes, right? But nor perform because you feel like, who am I? Am I adequate for this? None of us really are. The invitations to speak where jobs one dare neither refuse nor perform, one must take comfort in remembering that God used an ass to convert the prophet, that is Balaam. Perhaps if we do our poor best, we shall be allowed a stall near it in the celestial stable. So C.S. Lewis is there, I'm sure, right by that donkey, and uh, maybe we'll have a place there too if we just, just do our best. As God used a donkey, I think he could use us. Um, but finally, to quote Jesus himself, who said this, He's talking to Pharisees who did not believe him and who did not follow him. And he told them why they don't believe. He said, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. The implication is all of Jesus' sheep come to him. All of Jesus' sheep will come to him. And there's a lot of people out there, folks, who are Jesus' sheep, and they just don't know it yet. But we, just maybe, can have the chance to be the ones that give the introduction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how we thank you that as your sheep, you have drawn us to yourself. You have made us your family, and it's not because of anything that we have done, but simply because of your grace, your love that came for us when we were straying away. Lord, help us to be so enamored with that truth, to so believe in your goodness, in the goodness of the good news that we have, that we won't keep it to ourselves, but we will do what we can in gracious, loving, kind ways, but nevertheless, to share whenever we get the chance so that others might have the same privilege and opportunity and the joy of being yours. And Father, to be honest, we want a big choir. You deserve to have the praise of more and more people. And so we, we pray for your glory's sake that you would use us. Help us to have eyes to see the open doors you lay before us that we might step through and see more and more people come to know you. Our world needs you so desperately and uh, we pray you'd use us. And Father, now as we give you our tithes and offerings, would you use them to further your kingdom and spread the gospel too. In Christ's name we pray, amen.